If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Coming up on Studios America, I'm joined by the future governor of Texas, and if not that, the governor of my heart. Chad Prather joins us on the program. ESPN continues to hemorrhage employees due to its vaccine mandate. And when someone dies, we're supposed to, I don't know, mourn or at least let the family grieve. Well, not anymore here in America. So let's do the life of Colin Powell. Stu does America. So Colin Powell, the Bush era secretary of state, it was announced this morning, has passed away. He was 84 years old. In his post-Bush administration life, he was kind of became a political figure in a different way. He kind of became the Republican guy who was always endorsing Democrats. That's a very popular thing on MSNBC. I mean, it started with Barack Obama and kind of went from there. It's like this guy just keeps endorsing all the Democratic candidates, but then saying he's a Republican, what, what is going on? And I think there was, a, there was definitely a disconnect from the conservative audience with Colin Powell later in life. But it is worth remembering how popular this guy was at one point. It's almost impossible in the United States of America to have somebody like this. I don't think anybody exists like this anymore. Colin Powell not running in 1996 is one of the major what-ifs of American politics from that period. He had enormous popularity, a 73 to 6 favorable, unfavorable in Gallup in 1995. And polls showed him leading Bill Clinton right up until his November announcement that he wouldn't run. That's from Steve Kornacki. Um, he actually posts a poll from uh, from back in those days in 1995, where uh, Powell uh, actually leads um, Bill Clinton by 16 points in a pre-election poll, and he actually led the field, even if he ran not as a Republican, but as an, a third-party candidate, beating both Bob Dole and Bill Clinton. But a 16-point lead, and who? what would have happened if Colin Powell ran and was elected uh, president of the United States? Uh, another look at his approval rating is, is really amazing. Colin Powell's favorability rating in 2002 was 88%, one of the highest ratings in Gallup poll history. Amazing. So you have that poll where Powell leads Clinton by 16. You have 88% approval ratings. Uh, you have him winning in, in, a third, in a race where he's running as a, in a third party. Now, obviously, that changed quite a bit when Republicans sort of realized what his positions actually were. He came out as pro-choice. He came out as pro-gun control. The left sort of soured on him after the Iraq war. But there was a time where basically everybody seemed to love this guy. Is there anyone in that category anymore? Can you think of some big political figure that's loved by both sides of the aisle right now? I mean, it really is a remarkable, seems like an artifact of history completely. But obviously this whole situation with Colin Powell dying can't just be about a human being dying. That's that's way too simple for us apparently these days. No, no. Colin Powell's death is just another reason. Whatever I said before is more true than ever before. 
Now, of course, Powell died from COVID, so that has to go right into the conversation. And on the day he passes away, we have to be talking about that. The media is going with this spin on it. Colin Powell's death is a reminder that vaccination is about every person, not just one person. Of course, if you didn't know, Colin Powell it was fully vaccinated when he died of COVID. And of course, the RFK juniors of the world are claiming this proves the vaccine doesn't work at all. Now, first of all, we, you know, we've said this on the show. You probably know this, but the media does a terrible job talking about this stuff. So. You probably know that vaccines are not about entirely eliminating risk. They are about minimizing it as much as possible. So, you know, we can go about our normal freaking life. But for people like Colin Powell, sadly, your normal life probably contains a significant risk of near term death. Powell, whose immune system was weakened, died of COVID-19 after battling cancer. He was 84 years old and had cancer. You don't want a weakened immune system when you have COVID. We, we know this, right? And this type of cancer is a known problem for this and every other vaccine. People with multiple myeloma have compromised immune systems and, th and are thus of greater risk of developing severe COVID-19. Vaccines are also likely to be less effective in these patients. In a study published in July, researchers found that just 45% of those with active multiple myeloma developed an adequate response after receiving either the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccines. What's comical about all of this is that we've been saying the real worry, worry of COVID is old people with comorbidities. We've been saying that the whole time. This is a, a, a look, it can hit everybody, but it's old people with comorbidities who are really in danger. And now the media has finally come along and realized that today. Come on, you can't freak out about Colin Powell. He was old with comorbidities. Yeah, that, that's what we've been saying all along when we wanted to open up our schools. Where were you guys? The truth is, yes, vaccines, vaccines surely help, but it's way, way better to be young than it is to be vaccinated. According to the CDC, those who were vaccinated were six times less likely to become infected and 11 times less likely to die of COVID-19. It doesn't say that vaccines are going to remove every single infection or every single death. It never did. And it doesn't say every unvaccinated person is going to die which, you know, if you happen to listen to the mainstream media, you might think that's the case. Your chances of death of COVID are pretty damn low either way, honestly. But they are lower and not non-existent, however, but lower if you are vaccinated. Here are some of the charts that show the differences over time. Chartapalooza, conservators unite. For those between 50 and 64, you can see uh, the little dot, uh, dotted line for vaccination, the solid line for unvaccinated. Uh, and to explain to those on podcast, it is better to be vaccinated on these lists. But before we move on to the next age group, I want to show you this real quick. Notice the line for unvaccinated 50 to 64 year olds for deaths. Just notice where it is. It's, it's peaking about 20 on this chart, okay? Just remember that number 20 for just a second. Let's go to ages uh, 65 to 79. Again, you see the rate is worse for those who are unvaccinated, but it's not, it's not, not non-existent for those who are vaccinated. It's a little bump down there. And the risk is worse for those 50 to than, than those 50 to 64. But there are some vaccinated people in there that do die. And that's what the data shows. This is not, you know, made up data. It's not uh, anti-vaxxer data. This is what the CDC is telling us. And here's Colin Powell's age group, 80 plus. Well, again, 80 plus, yes, 
it is much worse to be unvaccinated than it is to be vaccinated. But you can definitely see a pretty big bump for vaccinated people as well. People in their 80s are not going to get as robust an immune response and are going to die more often than younger people. This is not brain surgery. But keep this up here for a second, because in fact, there is something to remember from that previous chart. Remember, we talked about an unvaccinated people between 50 and 64 that peaked at about 20 on the chart for unvaccinated people. You'll notice this is about the same peak as a vaccinated 80 year old. OK, so, yes, it's better and in many instances, much better to be unvaccinated and under 50 than it is to be vaccinated and over 80. It's true. The fact this fact for some reason pisses people off. It's one of the great blessings of all of this, honestly, because if it was the reverse, I don't know what would be going on in our world right now. Uh, thank God, uh, you know, at least the people we've talked to uh, that have called into the radio show and have written us over the years who, have, who are uh, of a certain age will say, look, you know, this country means too much to me. And if I have to take risk, I will take that risk. And that's something that uh, someone who's lived a full life has the bravery and, and, and the perspective to try to make a decision like that. But God, if this was affecting our young people like that, this would be even more of a horror show than it already is. But among people with the same age, you have less risk if you're vaccinated. That's what the data shows. Uh, this data from August uh, gives a, the breakdown of it. If we look at one week from the CDC's data, the one in which the incidence of deaths was highest for those aged 50 to 79, we see that the incidence of death among unvaccinated was 21 times higher for those aged 50 to 64, 15 times higher for those 65 to 79, and among those 80 or older, more than four times higher. Now, as you might have noticed, if you compare people of the same age, the vaccines work quite well. However, it's 21 times as well for a 50 year old and only four times as well for an 80 year old. This proves the only cure for COVID is being Benjamin Button. You just got to find a way to just get younger each year and everything works out fine in the end. News of Colin Powell's death quickly climbed to the top of the Herman Cade Award forum on Reddit. Oh, Wonderful. The Herman Cain Award, of course, you remember Herman Cain. Uh, he passed away from COVID. Here's some of the comments. He wasn't an anti-vaxxer, Colin Powell, but he was a mass murderer. The guy lied us into Iraq. I've got sympathy for his family, but I will not mourn him. One less Reaganite war criminal walks the earth. Hmm. The GOP effectively killed him by preventing herd immunity. Lots of non-war criminals, liars have medical issues preventing their bodies from preventing antibodies or other complicating factors. Ugh. It's just such a terrible, uh, terrible way to respond to someone passing away. I was talking to a friend uh, over the weekend who said, look, if these vaccines are working so well, why do we only hear about vaccinated people who are dying? And the truth is, the reason for that, if, if you think that way as well, it's because you're conservative. You're, you're probably watching a lot of conservative media or listening to a lot of conservative media, and that's kind of what you're getting from conservative media. The left never hears those stories, ever. But they are awash in the opposite. They're hearing dozens of stories every day, not of people of, uh, of some of the most famous people uh, in the world, like Colin Powell, but of people who, God forbid, tweeted one time about a vaccine mandate and died of COVID later on. The left celebrates this stuff on sites and sites and forums like sorryantivaxxer.com and the Herman Cain Awards on Reddit, which is, by the way, I will say totally unfair to Herman Cain, who died before the vaccine was even approved. The point is that way too many people are involved in this crap. 
If you think it's some victory over your annoying Facebook friends to repost Colin Powell's death because of his vaccination status, you suck. If you think some victory over your annoying Facebook friends to repost some random bar owner's death because of his vaccination status, you also very much suck. If you're celebrating someone, anyone, dying or getting sick because of their vaccination status, you're doing life wrong. I think we need to kind of develop a, you know, a line of t-shirts or something like that, that are, I don't know, completely innocuous and heartwarming and like the style of like life is good and remind people you're doing life wrong. Fighting for what you believe in is important and you shouldn't back down from doing it. But contrary to popular belief these days, you don't have to light your soul on fire and find glee in someone else's death to do it. That's you. You're doing life wrong. I want to talk uh, for a second here about things that have fundamentally changed the way we live. Uh, disruptors, you know, they've got uh, smartphones and streaming services and all these amazing scientific discoveries that change the world a little bit. And usually what they do is they take away something really annoying, right? That's basically the best thing. And I will say, uh, trying to get life insurance is really an annoying process. And that's why Ladder is taking advantage of some of the other disruptors that have been out there and using that technology to kind of flip the whole thing upside down, take out the inefficiencies. Before Ladder, if you wanted to get life insurance, you had to drive across town, you had to sit through a sales pitch, you had to fill out a ton of paperwork, you had to wait six to eight weeks to find out if you've been approved. Maybe someone's coming to your house, maybe you're getting all sorts of weird medical exams, you get a million phone calls from agents trying to bundle you with all sorts of different coverages. Uh, now with Ladder, you can get fast, affordable term life insurance without even leaving home. It's 100% digital when you apply for $3 million or less in coverage. No doctors, no needles, no paperwork. If you're between the ages of 20 and 60 and you need coverage and want to, uh, to team up with a company that's really changing things and changing the world of life insurance, choose Ladder. Go to ladderlife.com slash stew today to see if you've instantly uh, become approved. It's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash stew. Check it out now, ladderlife.com slash stew. Oh, it was a pleasure to have Chad Prather here in the studio. He's the host of the Chad Prather Show right here on Blaze TV, as well as the author of the brand new book, Am I Crazy? An Unapologetic Patriot Takes on the Insanity of Today's Woke World. It's available now wherever you get your books. Make sure to pick up a copy this week. I think the media would say that uh, any listener or watcher of The Blaze would not know how to read. So I don't know how you uh, went into the book world here. Yeah, what I keep telling people, you know, we've always said we're the white heterosexual Christian males uh, in America, or as they summarize us, the problem. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. if they, There's no cartoons. There's no pictures. Uh, <laughs> there are some games in the book. There's a few quizzes, uh, things to pay past the time. Uh, you say it's always a pleasure to have Chad Prather on. I have puked on this show <laughs> twice. <laughs> twice, okay. Stu. Most of the time, it's a pleasure to have you on when you keep your insides inside. Yeah. That's always a part of the thing. By the way, we were thinking about, we were talking about this the other day, we were talking about a potential um, uh, Christmas party yeah. power hour coming up in a couple months. Well, since Fauci says that if you do this and you do that, that perhaps you can, <laughs> you'll be allowed to do. Uh, God, I hate that guy's rhetoric. I hate that guy. I want to have the biggest Christmas party. Maybe we can have a, a thing. I like that. Yeah. That'll be fun. It could be part of it. Um, yeah. So let me, before we get to the book, 
I want to talk to you about your schedule right now because you're doing the show here, obviously, at The Blaze. You're doing media everywhere for the book. And you're running for governor all at the same time. How the yeah. hell are you doing this? Well, f- first of all, let me qualify. People think that the, the governor thing is a joke, right? They keep waiting on the punchline, but it's legit. Like, we're traveling thousands of miles yeah. a week, and I'll come back through here. I'm coordinating my schedule so that I can come back through here, tape a show, and then I'm right back on the road. And Texas is a big place. Most folks understand that, but, like, four hours <laughs> to somewhere is, like, that's not a long trip right. in Texas. Uh, so we're doing a lot of that in, in crisscrossing back and forth. And I was talking to the executives here at The Blaze. And I told them, I said, I really want to do a fifth show in the week. like Because we're Monday through Thursday. Yeah. I want to add a fifth. And I said, yeah, I would like to do a long-form podcast on the weekend. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, if, <laughs> if Glenn's not feeling well, I want to come in at 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you busy. know what? I got so much talk left in me. I'm afraid if I stop talking, I'm going to die. Yeah, well, that's it. Uh, so uh, tell me about the race itself. Because, I mean, it's kind of a crowded field on the Republican side. You've got you. you You've got, yeah. uh, obviously, the governor. You have Alan West is in the race. Yeah. Uh, Huffines, is, Huffines in the, is, is in the race. I mean, it's kind of, it's a crowded field. Is that because people look at this and say Abbott is vulnerable here? Well, he is vulnerable if you talk to most conservatives across the state. The, the uninformed voters are the people who are just diehard in the pocket of Abbott, so to speak. They love him, right, because they're mm-hmm. not paying attention. He says the right things as a campaign conservative. So so Don and, and Alan are in the thing. And, of course, I've, I know those guys. I consider them friends. I'm not running against them. I like to say I'm running alongside them. We have a ton of momentum, and I keep joking about being grassroots, which is political speak for being broke. But we have great <laughs> momentum. We don't have, you know, telethons and television, but we got teleperson. And when I and I'm trying to hit all the counties in the state, there's 254. I think we've been in 140. Jeez. And so we're, we're we're hitting all of them, and we're hitting the small counties, and everywhere we go, tons of people. Like we had 150 people in in. Um, in Mitchell County, Texas, last week. Well, there's mm. only 4,000 people in town. So statistically <laughs> yeah, speaking, I mean, that yeah. ain't bad yeah. percentage-wise. Uh, so the, the race is crowded. Look, Abbott's probably got, forget what the media says or what they report, he's probably got about $75 million in his campaign war chest. Wow. So he, this is a guy that's entrenched. He's an incumbent that the roots are deep, I, and I understand that. But we are trying to keep his feet to the fire. Uh, I think if you were polling, it, probably Allen with his name recognition is going to be second. I would be third, believe it or not. And then, and then Don Huffines. Wow. Uh, and what they're spending tens of thousands of dollars to do, I can do for a buck. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, you have a huge reach, I a have huge a audience. Reach. I got a show. Yeah. We could do that. Um, and then, and then it's harder with the social media censorship. But we're in mm. this thing. We're actually in the process right now of actually collecting the uh, petition names and mm-hmm. signatures. Uh, we've got several thousand. You have to have 5,000. Okay. And then you have to pay like, I don't know, 3,800 bucks. They don't make it easy. No, they don't. No. And then they qualify them. Like they have to be qualified signatures. Right, so they right. go through it. Texas Ethics Commissions go through it and they're like, no, mm, that's a little suspect. We don't know. <laughs> so almost to get 5,000, you kind of have to have 20, 25,000. And then they can right. find 5,000 qualified signatures. I remember on they did this with, the, uh, with Gavin Newsom recall. Like they yeah. had to come up with millions more than the actual number Dumb. to make sure they didn't disqualify. And they got to be notarized. Real cheese. I mean, the, the process is not easy. I mean, like, you know, because we all kind of glorify this idea of like a regular person running for office because they're just, you know, speaking truth. And then we design a system that makes that almost impossible. And the disgusting part of it is I could spend about $10,000 and just get past the process. Mm. Like, if I wanted to spend the money, I don't even have to do the petition process. That's disgusting. Really? Yeah. They're like, they're like ah, you don't have to do, worry about the petition. It's <laughs> just like nine grand. 
and, and those signatures are fine. You just buy your buy your way onto the ballot. That dumb. It's yeah, it's dumb. And, we, and like we refuse to to do it the easy way. Just refuse. People have come to me with these potential big donors, and we're like, we don't want it. Yeah, you want to keep it. We don't want it. You want to keep it uh, grassroots because it's going to look like they're going to be like, oh, this guy gave two hundred thousand dollars. We we know who he's listening to. Right. And I never want that. Somebody said, why? How do we know you'll never be bought out? I said, I enjoy being politically incorrect too much. Mm. Right. Well, that, that I can get. You've yeah, puked on this show twice. So. twice. Not once, twice. I have my own trash can. Though. Yeah, it's true. Um, so it's interesting because I've done, I've gone on tour with, with, with Glenn in the show over yeah. the years. I've done book tours before and I've covered, you know, political campaigns. All three of those are their different versions of hell. Like they are, it's tough living. I mean, it is even the way that we did it, which was completely pampered in every way possible. Yeah. You're just tired all the time. You're eating crap. You're, you're waking up in the odd hours of the night. How are you doing all of this? Well, I've always been a road warrior uh, and I, I love the road. And uh, like that's, you know, look, I got the word gypsy tattooed on my body in two different places. I mean, I've got that. Kind <laughs> we don't of need again. We don't need to show those. Just yeah, so I, you I got I got one here and I got one here. <laughs> okay. actually. It's better than uh, I expected. Two different designs just happened. Um, <laughs> the thing about it is I'm, I was so, sort of prepared for that. But like I did a show, a live show. I'm only doing about three live shows, like entertainment shows. Right. A month now. Just don't have time. But, and that's a huge part of your yeah, life for the past. You and know. with the vaccination thing that's going on, I'm giving up between three quarters and a million dollars a year. Just just and I hate even admitting that. But like that's my quote unquote sacrifice because I refuse to go places that are demanding vaccination okay, for, yeah. for the videos. So we're not doing those. We're, we're just foregoing them. And um, anyway, I. I uh, I was on stage Friday night. I was in Waco and I walked out on stage and I take the microphone and I'm like, I didn't say this, but I thought it. I don't feel like being funny tonight. <laughs> like I just and yeah. I mailed it in. Honest to God, I mailed it in for an hour <laughs> and I, they laughed, I think. And I walked off stage. and I was like, that's the worst show I've done in <laughs> years. <laughs> like, I just don't feel like making you laugh. The world sucks right now. Well, I let's mean, go, Brandon. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what you do in the book, though, is you take the world that sucks yeah. and you try to make people laugh about it and, and at least enjoy it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, the world is, is changing into a really uh, scary place, I think. And at times it doesn't feel like you can laugh about it. No, it's a cultural fight to the death. OK, so the cancel culture is all about getting you off the map. They mm. don't want anybody that has a differing opinion or a, quote, narrow mind or a, a right lean. They want you off the map. They want you culturally dead. Right. So so they want you terminal in that regard. They're coming at you. So I keep saying this and I said it on the show the other day with Glenn. I said, this is my common sense guide to the end of the world. <laughs> uh, social media has changed everything. It is public enemy number one. And that's coming from a guy who's made a living using social media. That's how you're known. Yeah. Right. I mean, you yeah. came to the blaze and everything with this huge, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, audience on YouTube and, and yeah. other versions of so social media. And now you're. Well, I mean, take, for instance, the cowboy hat. Right. So I, I've run my mouth for a long time. I was doing a show when I went viral. Uh, that was an equestrian television, equestrian lifestyle humor television show. Mm -hmm. I've always worn the hat. And then and now if I take the hat off, people are like, who the hell are you? <laughs> you sell out. Yeah. You can't even take that hat off anymore because social media yeah. has determined that, that I have to do this <laughs> denim on denim for the yeah. rest of my life. Right.
And you don't want to do that. It's, it's, I don't care. I, like, I don't even care anymore. I, it, it's, it's, for me, I got into social media because it was one big sociological experiment. I wanted to see what pissed people off, what made them spend their mm. money, what pushed their buttons, what made them laugh. So I was doing that, and I always sat around thinking, I thought, there's a way to make a living using this tool. But I couldn't, I kind of had lightning in a bottle. Then I went viral. Things went crazy. We turned it into, into um, talk radio, talk television, podcasting, all these things. It's so it's interesting when you look at social media and I talk about this, the introduction of the book. Am I crazy? I say everybody on social media has two things. They have a false sense of expertise and a false sense of authority. Mm. There's no one who's ever commented on social media or uh, commented on a thread. God forbid that they weren't virologists, they weren't <laughs> right, political, yeah. uh, you know, political science uh, philosophers and PhDs. Everybody. That's one thing I respect about you, Stu. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I respect about Uh-oh. you is like just you can one. take it or leave it yeah. when it comes to social media. <laughs> yeah, no, I really you, do you hate it. You can really just take it or leave it. I really hate it. I mean, I legitimately hate it because yeah. I think it brings I think it brings out the worst in people. And here's my theory on this. I, let me run this by because you'll relate to this. I've been in radio and around entertainment for Mm -hmm. 20 years now. And one thing I've learned going through that process is that everybody in this industry is insane. Like, they're all people who are dying to get other people's attention. And that brings out the absolute worst worst. in people. I'm sure the same thing with comedy and, and everything that you've done over the years. The people in that industry are weird birds, right? They get in there for strange reasons. And we've what we've done, the sociological experiment, is to tell everyone that's how they should live their lives. Everyone's trying to get the likes, which is essentially what every entertainer's been doing forever. And watch any biopic mm-hmm. of a person who is famous. It's not the lifestyle you're trying to emulate. Yeah, what we've done is we, we are all Corey Feldman at this point <laughs> in time, right? We're all Macaulay Culkin. Yes. We, we're all, you know, Michael Jackson. We're these, we're these child stars that had no clue how to navigate that. So when, when I say that, when I, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know how to, how to handle celebrity. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're an adult and suddenly it is thrust upon you in an instant because of social media, when I first went viral, I tell people that it was like someone opened the door to my house and just let the neighbors come rummage through my underwear drawer. Yeah. You know, I was immediately hiding pictures of my kids and getting rid of the albums and, and just things I didn't mm-hmm. want people to see. Uh, and, and suddenly overnight you're thrust into this limelight. Now, I was stupid enough and thick skinned enough that I knew what I wanted to do. I created a business out of it. Yeah. And I was entrepreneur, entrepreneurial enough to, to get run with it. Because again, I'd already kind of built this mindset of there's a business here somewhere. Sure. You know, but but these days everybody has their their words on a wall. These aren't Egyptian hieroglyphics. These aren't cave drawings. These aren't the words of the prophets, the poets, the priests, the kings, the philosophers. This is everybody out there. They're putting their words out there whether they know anything or not. And it's there for posterity. It's there forever. Yeah. And we're not necessarily... Um, uh, responsible with those words that are coming out there. And what it's done is it's created this woke mob cancel culture, all of these crazy lunatic leftist progressives that have that have controlled the narrative of culture. And so what I did in the book is I just gave everybody kind of uh, some walking papers, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I gave them some marching orders and I said, okay, here's how you come at this culture with dialogue. This this will arm you to have the conversation. Why, why is Beto O'Rourke? Why does it? Why? Why? Why is he relevant? <laughs> why, why is, is AOC? O, yeah. Why is the economics of AOC relevant? You know, why is Tulsi Gabbard? I even have a chapter in there about Tulsi Gabbard. Hmm. And there's the underlying principles of why these people became something, why we gravitate towards this or that, 
uh, and, and all these different things where people go, well, you know, Jesse Smollett, that's kind of out of the news, but is it? And now he's coming back in the news because mm-hmm. now they're, they're actually going to try him for this. There's underlying principles there. These are the things because the story, there's nothing new under the sun. It just keeps repeating itself. This is the humor way to approach it with common sense. Yeah, it's a great way, too, because they're bite-sized. You go through, yeah. you, you know. You, toilet read. It's toilet read. And you could go, you could read a couple of chapters yeah. and, and, and laugh and, yeah. and, and think, make you think a little bit. I wish there were perforated pages. It's a toilet paper book. You know, just rip that, it right off, consume it. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Buttigieg in the maternity, maternity bed. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> All right. No paper. Before I let you go, let's yeah. hit that one. Because I'm a little torn on it, honestly. In that, like, I, I'm a dad. I went home not for two months. Like, I mean, that's yeah, just not even a thing. The Secretary of Transportation. Right, exactly. But I do think that him being in that job is worse for the country. So I'm fine with him staying right. home as long as he wants. Uh, but like, I, this is the first time I've ever seen a liberal. Uh, recognize that there's value in fatherhood. Mm. All of a sudden, they love it. They think it's the greatest thing in the world and so vital to a child's upbringing. <laughs> I mean, I know that bringing home with, with my kids when, when they were born for a couple weeks, it wasn't months, but it was a couple weeks, and I really liked that time. You know, yeah. I really liked that time. It was a great, I mean, it's not something the government should provide, but I mean, is, is, it, is it a bad thing for parents, to, for dads to be a little bit more involved early on? No, I don't think it is at all. Look, I mean, look, coming out of the culture, the equine culture that I'm in, look, they, we do a thing called imprinting you know a, a baby horse is born you want to keep that horse you you put your fingers in its mouth and in its nostrils and in its ears you, you hold I the don't horse. understand it's any called of imprinting. this yeah. and, and the horse thinks comes to think of you almost as his mother right really and so it's like it's with you mm-hmm. and so it's like um, a bonding it's a very significant bonding with this and so of course of course it matters i mean you know as the father of of five kids that's the most it's the biggest title i have is dad yeah most important thing and uh, you should have that. But the issue is not the parenting. and It's not the fathership or the fatherhood. It's not that. It's, it's one, you kept it a secret. Yeah. I have an yeah. issue with that. That was bad. You ran for president. Were you going to take two months off if you were president? It's a great point because, I mean, he was a contender. I mean, he was, yeah. you know, second or third place for a decent chunk of that race. That's never happened before. Does he just take the time off? He yeah. doesn't take two months off from being president. Well, this is what happens when you take ideologies and people who hold certain ideologies and you put them in appointed positions to run politics and put them in positions of power and, and make their ideologies Policymakers, hmm. uh, that's the problem. When a guy goes from being the mayor of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and he's got 47 buses in his fleet, to now he's got an 86 billion dollar budget and boats off the coast everywhere, you start to say, "Hey, um, okay, look, I appreciate you guys wanted to spend a little time with the kids, yeah. uh, but let's, we got some, yeah. we got some stuff that yeah. needs to be done." And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't even think he had Fort Wayne. Wasn't it South Bend? He didn't even get to Fort Wayne. He didn't even get to Fort Wayne. Indiana, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's all the book. I mean, he's gonna. It's uh, the differences between Fort Wayne and South Bend. Huge chapters (laughs) in here. You're gonna love this. This is really funny. Got to make sure you check it out. Uh, It's it's available now. Am I crazy? An unapologetic patriot takes on the insanity of today's woke world. If you don't have a copy yet, what are you waiting for? Go get one. And there's events around the country, uh, around the state. Excuse me, uh, for for Chad for governor. Yeah, for campaign. Give me all the stuff. Prather2022.com. You can even go to Beto22.com. Still comes. me. Beto 22? Yes, it comes to me. <laughs> and uh, for the book and other things that are going on, uh, watchchad.com. Yeah. Watch Chad. Don't miss it. It's, it's a lot of fun. I've, I've seen the live show uh, yeah. here in Dallas. Really, really fun. Even when he's phoning it in, it's yeah. still really good. Uh, Chad, thanks for stopping by. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. So, uh, do you like a great, you know, great snack throughout the day? 
Uh, I will tell you that my wife has found one. My, my wife goes on chat show uh, pretty often. Um, Lisa Page pops on the chat show, and it's usually after she's had at least one built bar in the day because she, she eats them all the time. Let's be honest about it. Coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream. She had some weird, uh, like a pumpkin thing going on the other day. Uh, it was like a pumpkin puff. I don't know. Ask them about it. They might have some left. Check them out. Built Bars have 18 grams of protein, 180 calories or less, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, 4 to 5 net carbs. Uh, you wouldn't know it by tasting them, though, because uh, they taste great. And my wife says all the time, make sure you chill them. Chill them in the fridge. That's the best way to enjoy them. Built.com is the place to go. Stew15 is the promo code for 15% off your first order. Use the promo code Stew15 for 15% off at Built.com. So ESPN is one of these companies that is uh, invoking a vaccine mandate on uh, their uh, people. And ESPN college football sideline reporter Allison Williams said uh, over the weekend that she's departing the network because of its COVID-19 vaccination mandate. She says belief is a word I've been thinking about a lot lately. And because in addition to the medical apprehensions regarding my desire to have another child in regards to having uh, receiving this injection, I am also morally and ethically not aligned with this. And I've had uh, uh, to really dig deep and analyze my values and my morals. And ultimately, I need to put them first. She said in a video that was posted to her Instagram account, she said the irony in all of this is that her values and moral convictions were what made her a really good employee in the first place. But she's ultimately decided to not put a paycheck over principle. Uh, in the caption of this post, which has been viewed over 44,000 times, she wrote, whether you agree or disagree with me, thanks for listening. I will not echo or harbor the hostility that some may feel toward my decision, doing everything I can to move forward and stay positive. I mean, we just talked to Chad Prather about he's not been doing gigs because some of these venues require vaccine um, uh, mandates. Uh, this is silly. OK, this is silly. Uh, there are, especially when you go to, I, I would imagine the vaccination rate at ESPN right now is probably north of 90%. There's no valid reason uh, that, uh, I mean, that would put you in, in that area beyond herd immunity or any uh, guideline until Anthony Fauci changes his mind again and says it's 99%. Right now it's still only like 85. Uh, so this stuff is like, it's just a bad idea. We've talked about it over and over again, and it's wrong to mandate people make medical decisions uh, to do basic things like this. You know, I'm not, no, I mean, I think, you know, there are legal um, avenues here that are not always fruitful for people fighting these uh, situations. But that being said, there's another side of it that's just whether it's right or wrong to do. And you might be able to legally get away with it as a private business. Um, certainly in the military, they're going to they're going to be able to do these things in the military. Um, but that does not mean it's the right thing to do. And when you when you find it, you know, it's I think it makes people who are. Look, there's a certain percentage of people and we've talked about them before you know, that are just like they're just against it and they don't they don't want vaccines. You know, they don't. A lot of don't like, you know, pharmaceutical companies or any big biotech company, and they just don't want to deal with them. And that's just part of their life. And that's just like a, a foundational part of who they are. You know, OK, well, we can't have some people who don't want to do certain things. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand the, the logic here. But those people are really not who you're you're going to reach with a mandate. If, if you really are against uh, getting the vaccine, you're probably standing on, on principle and, and not. Uh, and putting that above your job, like maybe like Allison is. I don't, I don't know her how strong her viewpoint in, is on that. But there's another group there, which is probably 10 to 20 percent of the population, which uh, says, hey, you know, I really don't want this or I'm kind of hesitant on it. Let's see how this all turns out. And those people you're talking out of getting the vaccine by doing this. 
you know, they might be open to it. If you just see, okay, it seems to be working, I might as well get it. You know, I mean, that might be something that happens uh, over a period of time. And we've seen the percentages of people who are resistant or hesitant to the vaccine drop uh, since it came uh, since it came out. A lot of people now and that's of course understandable right it comes out people don't know if it's if it's good or bad they're worried about it so they want to watch and see what happens you guys go first through the scary door where the michael myers is you guys go first i'll stay back here see if you come back out well as people see people walk back out and michael myers isn't in there they're more likely to go back in and, and get the vaccine themselves mandating it does not help these things and uh I, 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 I'm afraid that uh, these efforts by the government are not only turning people off from uh, this vaccine, which, you know, I mean, again, it's it's a newer vaccine, obviously, and, and people have hesitations. We've talked about my feelings on it. If your feelings are different, your feelings are different. But it might it seemingly is now starting to talk people out of all sorts of different vaccinations that they used to take without thinking about it, you know, or without putting much uh, without having that resistant part of them. Uh, really worry uh, childhood vaccinations. They're talking about those things going down. Who knows if this is media hype yet or not, but it's just it's just a bad idea. Yeah, there's no reason to, to, to mandate things. And I think people get freaked out all the time because they see how the government acts on so many different areas. I mean, how many times we talked about this a while ago? How many times did we talk about this when people were tearing down statues of sometimes terrible, terrible people, sometimes borderline terrible people, sometimes just like, I don't know, a, a monument of a borderline event. And maybe there's a couple tellings of the history of it, one of which is not so favorable. But they just kept tearing down these monuments and tearing down these uh, statues. And we said, hey, you know, they're going to get to a point where they're tearing down statues of George Washington and Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. And the left said, oh, you guys are just you're you're alarmists that's never going to happen well you're going to be stunned of course to hear that a jefferson statue uh, may now be removed after a hundred years in city hall this is in uh, new york city it's kind of amazing that honestly a, a thomas jefferson statue lasted this long in, in new york city in the first place i honestly would not have believed it uh, but that's true and now in the, uh, in the wake of the george floyd incidents Somehow Thomas Jefferson was responsible for that. I'm not exactly sure how the logic works here, but I will say Thomas Jefferson is responsible for writing the rough draft of the Declaration of Independence in which he went on a screed for paragraph after paragraph after paragraph about one of the main reasons they wanted to break away from England is because the king of England favored slavery so much. That was one of the reasons why they wanted to break away. Now, there's a there's a complicated history. People know, obviously, that uh, Thomas Jefferson had with slavery. Um, a big part of this was it was illegal for him to release these slaves uh, that his family had for a long time. None of this is to justify it. Obviously, like to me, I always go back to like you should have just probably known it was wrong. But he clearly did. He wrote it in the rough draft of the Declaration of Independence, which I think was either one or two states blocked where it would have been adopted. It was that close. I mean, it probably would have been a much different history and we wouldn't be dealing with this stuff now if, if, if that would have happened. I wish it did. But we do have the historical record of this event. We do have the historical writings of Thomas Jefferson explaining explicitly that he thought slavery was among the greatest crimes ever committed against human beings. And now they're tearing down his statue, just like they said they wouldn't a few months ago, because this is always what's happened. Remember, they also said, going back to the vaccine mandate question, they wouldn't do that. And then here they are, a few months later, doing it.
there's no credibility there. And that's why people are fighting back as hard as they are. Today is my 19 year wedding anniversary. Did you know that? Hmm. 19 years. You believe she's stuck around for 19 freaking years? I mean, she's not a, she doesn't make great decisions. I'll tell you that much. That's pretty clear. You have all these memories and I, you know, you go through your phone every once in a while and you poke through and you're like, oh, remember that and oh, remember that. And maybe if you're really aggressive, you'll put it in your favorites. You know, you're, so you have the favorite file and then it has, you know, some of the, the, the pictures you really want to remember maybe a little bit more. And then if you get, go really crazy, maybe you like send one to Walgreens and they print, you have a printed copy of it. That's like the king of what happens to your photos these days. Uh, the occasional printed copy from Walgreens. Well, there's a step above that. This is the this is the best thing you can possibly do, I think, especially if you have loved ones who maybe you don't see that often. Maybe uh, because of covid, it's been a long time. This is a great way to go. It's called paintyourlife.com. You can send in any picture you want and you'll get a portrait in as little as two weeks. For, and this is from like a real artist, like a world class artist. You can go on the site. You see all the different artists that are there and you say, oh, this one seems to have really you know, great work. And you can pick them and then they'll go through and you go through a, a, a really easy process. You send them the photo. They give you kind of a, a, an idea of what it's going to look like to approve it. And then you click approve. Now, I don't tell my wife yet, but I've got one of these things at my house now. It just came in. I'm really excited about it. Painterlife.com has not been opened yet. I'm very excited to see it. Um, it's going to be, I'm really excited about it because, you know, it's it's from one of those memories that we've had uh, with the kids over the years, and and I hope she's going to like it. Um, I think she will. And I know the Paint Your Life does amazing work, and it's something different, something cool. Right now, you can get a limited time offer. You get 20% off your painting. Right now, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, you've got to text the word STU, S-T-U, to 64,000. That's stew to 64,000. Just do it. Just do it right now. You can just text it nice and easy. Text the word stew to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, you got to text the word stew to 64,000. Did you know you can watch all the episodes of this program on YouTube, uh, on Facebook, all the places. If you go to Facebook, uh, just click on the menu. And I think if you hold the menu button down, you're going to get a a thing to mark us as a favorite. Doing that is important to defeat the evil Facebook uh, algorithm robots. And in our long lasting war, it's like the Matrix 3 except good. So uh, check that out. Um, And you can watch the show there. You can comment there as well. This one comes in from Pamela. Uh, Chart, graph, we want facts. Chart, graph, we want facts. Chart, graph, we want facts. Five stars. You know, not a lot of people chanting that at protests around the country. But I love all of you chart fans, all of you graph fans. You are my people. You are my people. Thank you. Uh, Make sure to check out and subscribe on YouTube. We have uh, brand new content up there right now. You can check it out, kind of making fun of people in their vaccine selfies. So you'll like that, I think. Uh, Also, uh, review the podcast, of course. This one comes in from a a name I can't exactly pronounce uh, on the air as we had to block it out. But I will say this. It's a little mean. It says, okay, so here's what happened. My five favorite words are, okay, so here's what happened. Not because I'm about to hear an interesting story mildly laced with humor, but because I know the show is almost over. Great show. Whatever. Five freaking stars. Again, I've told you over and over again, I don't actually care what you write in the reviews. I want your stars. I am uh, totally a star. I don't want to say that. I would have to do the word that we blacked out, and that doesn't 
actually help us. Make sure to rate us at five stars on any podcast app. We really do appreciate it. And your reviews, it's great. Whatever. We love when you do that as well. And remember, every positive con uh, comment you give us on this particular program, it means you're hurting a different podcast. In a, in a roundabout sort of way, you're hurting Rachel Maddow's feelings. And that's the most important thing. Come Christmas time, nothing's going to be on the shelves. They're going to be barren. It's going to be like Venezuela out there. That's why you need to order your merch right now. Obviously, we have the uh, Taliban Joe merch, which is available now. You've got the uh, Stu Does America, uh, Nancy Pelosi sucks pens out there. Look, Bitcoin says like $62,000. I know you people have enough money to buy this merch. I mean, it's the, it's the right thing to do for America and most importantly, for me. <laughs>